Kia from your Every Nation Southside family here in Papatoitoi, Auckland. You are now listening to a podcast from our church service and we pray that you will be blessed by it. For more information, please visit our Facebook page or feel free to contact our church office. You know, we start this new sermon series and it's called Amazing Grace. And all around the world, our Every Nation churches are focusing on this sermon series and it's pretty much a five to six week sermon series and we'll be doing you know five weeks into it and then on the week six we'll be coming together and just doing a whole you know praise and worship time and this whole time of just preparing our hearts uh, for this year and I really believe that this sermon series is a great sermon series um, as we're unified all around the world every 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 church every nation church this Sunday morning is starting this the sermon series, Amazing Grace. And, uh, you know, I want you to pray because as we will probably get the, um, you know, we have our prayer booklets that, that uh, come out during this month and uh, within the, the week where we pray and fast. And it's an app. And if you want to download that app, you can download it on the Just Every Nation um, app. And it's got every everything in there that you could study. And how to pray and how how to, how to fast to help you in ways on how to fast, just those different things. So that's our focus for this coming um, month, and um, you know we'll be going into that. And I'm excited that that theme for every nation worldwide is the theme for the rest of this year. Is this amazing grace? And I hope that you'll be able to to see what God is going to do uh, in your journey and in your walk for 2020, 2020, um, and where you are at in your life right now. And so, you know, I'm, I'm wanting to get in, you know, through this sermon. You know, the focus of this sermon um, series is to help you and I to understand that, you know, God's grace is just far greater than our sin. And I want to make sure that in the weeks ahead, right, as I shared about this uh, sermon series, the first month of 2020 is all for us to find a deeper uh, appreciation, a better trust, and also to respond, you know, in a Christ-like way to this thing that we call grace. And it's grace, a grace that is offered uh, by Jesus. And so this is what I want to ask you, and this is the question that I want to start with, and you might want to write this down. And it's this, what does grace look like and what does it mean to your life this year? Okay, what does grace look like and what does grace mean to your life this year? 2020, right? And so many of us know, right, that this word grace is one way or another um, understandable. I guess we, we know the word, right? But the meaning of this word can still be unclear to, to some of us. And many of us, when we hear this word grace as only being a thing that we do before eating a meal, right? Um, it's a prayer. So sometimes when you, you go to the dinner table and you hear that word, let's, let's say grace. Say grace for the food. Or it's the word we use when we want to, to have a break after we have probably failed, you know, we've failed in so many things, and, and 
and then what you're hoping for a second chance and you're hoping for that grace. Now it's like you receive a letter from the courts uh, about a traffic fine and, and you didn't know that you had and if you don't want to pay for it, you just feel, you know, to the, the Auckland uh, of transport, they're incorrect. They're incorrect about this traffic infringement. So there is this thing called a grace period where you can reply back to the Auckland of Transport to argue this false claim before the due date of the fine, right? And so this word grace means to be given something freely and generously with no strings attached. And so in regards to this traffic infringement, this example, you know, it's, a, it's an example that I'm talking about here. The courts give time and they freely and generously for the accused to, to argue against the accusation of the traffic ticket. And so to be given a grace period, you know, that's, that's nice of them. And, um, you know, just at the end of last year, I received a ticket. And that, this is exactly what I did. I thought, man, these guys are, are wrong. How, how could I, you know, they're accusing me for, for driving on the wrong lane at the wrong time of day, which was in the morning. And so, you know, uh, they gave me a grace period. Um, and so I, I did that. You know, I thought I put, put my letter in and said, no, you're incorrect. You know, this, I was surely clear of where I was driving. And I knew, honestly, in my head, on that day, I knew that I was on the right lane. Um, it was just outside of Bucky's work. So I start throwing eggs at his work as you drive past. But, you know, I was driving there. And, oh, sorry, I was, you know, sent this letter in. And then within, within the week, they emailed me back and they said, thank you, but we are going to continue on with uh, this fine that you need to pay. And I was furious. But you can't be furious when you scroll down a little bit more and you see a photo of you <laughs> in the car, on the wrong lane, like this big smile on your face. And so, um, you know, I ate a bit of humble pie there, and I paid that fine. I love you, Auckland of Transport. And so, but, you know, okay, that's a bit of an embarrassing moment that I've had. But what does Paul, Paul here, mean when he is using this word grace in our text today that we're going to be looking at? And to better understand grace and the nature of this this free and this generous gift. Paul, he uses, you know, two stories, okay? He uses these two stories that serve as the backdrop to our text today. And we'll be reading a little part of it in the New Testament. And it's from the book of Romans, okay? That's in the New Testament. Now, the book of Romans, it's actually a letter, correct? And this letter, you know, so what does grace look like for you? There's my photo. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Jesus is awesome. Humble pie right there. So we're going to look at the book of Romans. You know, it's actually a letter, right? The whole letter. And one of the longest, and this is probably one of the longest and probably the most important letters written by the well-known follower of Jesus, Paul. Now, before Paul became a full-on follower of Jesus, you know, everyone knew him um, as Saul, a devout Pharisee, a Pharisee who believed in following the laws of Moses 
and the cultural and religious traditions of Israel. And being this loyal Pharisee, Paul saw that there were these Christ followers, these Christians that were a threat to his society. And so Saul's job was to go out and persecute all these new believers who followed the ways of Jesus and his teachings, right? And he was to put them in prison for breaking the laws of Moses and the religious traditions of Israel. But then one day he has this encounter with the risen Jesus. And long story short, Jesus then sends Saul out to become uh, the new spokesperson. He became this new representative, an apostle is, is that fancy term. And he went out to share about Jesus to people who were actually outside of his own culture and his very own people. And they were known as the non-Jewish world. And so as he begins traveling around the Roman Empire, he starts using his Roman name, Paul. And on his travels, he's telling people about the risen King Jesus, and he begins forming all these followers of Jesus into small community groups called churches. And so he continues traveling from city to city, and Paul would write letters to all these new Jesus communities, pretty much to help them grow strong in the faith and answer questions that these church communities needed help on. And the letter to the church in Rome is one of these letters. And so you could say there were two types of Christians living in Rome at this time, and you had the Jewish Christians who had a Jewish upbringing, were born as Jews, and they became Christian. And then you had the Gentile Christians, and these were Christians who weren't Jewish at all, weren't born as a Jew. And the problem of these two types of Christian groups was they were different in traditions and different in customs, so they didn't see eye to eye on certain ways of, of how to follow and how to believe in Jesus. So this brought a lot of tension within the church in Rome, and the church, it actually, it actually became divided. And you had these two groups arguing about how you should follow Jesus. These, there were debates about you know, how non-Jewish Christians should be obeying the laws of Moses and honoring God on the Sabbath day. And so Paul's aim for this letter was to see the church in Rome become unified. And by doing that, Paul's main focus of writing this long letter to the church in Rome was to give, just to give a full explanation of the gospel of Jesus. And so with the background, that background I just sort of shared, let me dive into a part of this letter to the church in Rome, okay? Now, to make things clear, I'm going to start right at the, I'm not, sorry, I'm not going to start at the right, right at the beginning of this letter. I'll just start partway through the letter and only focus on a small part of it. So let me begin uh, reading this letter uh, starting at the book of Romans chapter 5 verses 12. Okay, And I'm going to read this in my own sort of version just to help you understand. The thing about Paul's letters, um, the more I've been studying the Bible, the more personally that I've found the, the letter, this book of Romans, is one of the most difficult letters to understand. <laughs> Um, and if you read, I mean, even these couple of verses that I'm about to share, I'm going to break them down into my own version and words to hopefully so you can understand them. But, you know, 
it's funny, Paul was such an amazing, you know, person that would travel the world, but he was probably one of the most boring preachers <laughs> that traveled around. Yet his theology, the understanding of God, he had this theology that he taught, and that was the thing that amazed other people that he reached. There were people that were not Jewish, they were Gentiles. And so here's the verses. Let me read verse 12. It says, just as sin came into the world through Adam, the one man, Adam, eating the fruit God said not to eat, he brought a death through sin. This death through Adam's sin of disobeying God by eating the fruit created a ripple effect and continued to spread death to all men and all women. Verse 14, it says, death, it reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sin was not like the falling away of Adam. Let me break this down. Paul, in this part of this letter, is reminding the church of Rome about the story of Adam and Eve. God, so, you know, God created Adam and out of the dust of the ground, and out of, he created Eve out, out of Adam's rib to be his helpmate and companion. And God then places them in this beautiful garden where every good food to eat and they were to, you know, look after that place. But there was one thing they had to obey. And it was this, of every tree of the garden you may freely eat. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat of it. For in the day that you eat of it, you will surely die. So, uh, you know, apart from obeying God's one thing, they had one job, you know, the rest of it, they could enjoy themselves and they could have fun. Well, as the story goes, Adam and Eve, they were, let's say they weren't content to submit to higher authority. <laughs> and they wanted to be their own gods. And so one day, it comes along this talking snake, okay, and he tells Eve that the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, it would actually open their eyes and make them as wise as God. And so she couldn't wait to tell Adam. And sure enough, they eat the forbidden fruit and took life now into their own hands. So once they did, they realized how vulnerable they were. They realized that they were now naked. There, there were no more defenses to safeguard the way God protected them. They could be hurt, even destroyed. I think they realized now that it wasn't easy trying to be your own God, a puny God at that. And when they heard the sound of God walking through the garden, they hid themselves because they were ashamed of what they did. And when God finds them, they admit to what they did. And because of their disobedience, they have to find another place to live because there was only room in that garden for one God, not a multiple of gods. And so they were now on their own. They would have to live off the land by the sweat of their brow. They would experience pain and toil for the rest of their lives. And when their lives were over, they would return to the dust from which they came. Now, this story I just shared, 
It's commonly known as the fall of Adam because it is here that we learn how Adam fell from grace. Now, the story I briefly shared is is found, for those who don't know, in the very first book of the Bible, the book of Genesis. And with Paul's little snippet of his letter to the church of Rome, he's just trying to remind the church of Rome about where the root of sin originated from. It originated from the fall of Adam. It's like, you know, the story of the fall of Adam is the origin story to being a Christian. You know, if you grew up reading comics, and many, many of these comic books now have become famous movies uh, for us to watch today, and, you know, when you think of the example, The Avengers, uh, there's a movie, there's a f- it's four parts now to the movie. The part one was obviously called The Avengers. Part two was uh, Age of Ultron. Part three was Infinity Wars. Uh, part four was Endgames. Um, I, just, I just heard, I didn't watch them. I read Revelation, my Bible. And there are individual superheroes, right, in this this movie. There's Captain America, there's the Hulk, Thor, Iron Man, um, Black Widow, to name a few. And most of these superheroes, they all have their own origin stories. And, you know, an origin story in a comic book is a backstory revealing how each person pretty much gained their superpowers. And so this story of Adam and Eve is our origin story. It's our backstory. Every one of us are loved by God and created in His image to live and cultivate this beautiful world of God's creation that we live in. And yet, even though we are loved by God, we as humans always refuse to submit to His authority over our lives from time to time. And we refuse to surrender our will to God's will. And so we end up making life difficult for ourselves. And we're not content to submit to a higher authority, which is God. So what do we do? We choose to become our own little puny gods. And like Adam and Eve, we are loved by God. But the problem is... You and I, we continually rebel and do, this very, do the very things that God commands us not to do. And so we sin. And why is that we sin? Why do you and I sin? The answer is this. Because it's in our genes. That is our origin story. The fall of Adam. Let me put it this way. It's not that we are at risk of making mistakes, but it is because our very nature, you and I, we are corrupt. And so you can bet your bottom dollar we will say hurtful things to each other. There's a guarantee that we will act selfishly in in different times of our lives. And no offense, but we're rotten to the core. And there's nothing we can do to overcome the sin that's in us. Welcome to church. (laughs) And even as I have given you the 
origin story of humanity, a backstory to our lives, the fall of Adam. We also have a story that is relevant to our lives today of a hero who can redeem us from our origin story, from our backstory, the fall of Adam, our sin. And that is the gospel story, the story of our hero, which is Jesus. And so the next part of Paul's letter, it introduces our hero. In verse 15 to 21, let me read this to you. The free gift is not like the trespass of Adam, Adam's sin, the fall of Adam. If Adam's sin put crowds of people at a separation from God, just think what the grace of God and the free gift by the grace through Jesus will do. There's no comparison between that death-dealing sin of Adam and this generous life-giving gift of Jesus. The verdict on the fall of Adam, the origin of sin, is the death, is the death sentence. But the free gift of grace through Jesus brings justice and life. And if sin got the upper hand through Adam's wrongdoing, can you imagine the, break, uh, the breathtaking recovery life can bring to those who receive the abundance of grace through Jesus? And just as Adam did it wrong and got us all this trouble with sin and death, Jesus did it right and got us out of it. But more than just getting us out of trouble, he got us into life. Verse 20, all that the laws against sin did, it, was, it just produced more lawbreakers. <laughs> but where sin increased, grace also increased all the more. And all sin can do is threaten us with death. And that's it. But grace, grace reigns through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus our Lord. Wow. The thing is, many of us may know this, maybe not, but, you know, the word Adam, Adam, Adam is the Hebrew word for humanity. So in hindsight, our origin story is about the fall of humanity. And as much as this passage highlights the impact of the fall of Adam, humanity, Paul is trying to teach about Christ's act of grace, an act where he didn't fall to sin like Adam or humanity, but instead he chose to willingly obey his father to go to the cross and to die for you and I. And this is the meaning of the word grace, to give something freely and generously with no strings attached. You see, ladies and gentlemen, once you understand the depth of your sin, the fall of humanity, I hope then you will be able to see and appreciate the depth of God's abundant grace. And if you can just have a small view of sin, then I pray you will be able to have a small view of your salvation found in God's grace through Jesus. You know, last year, in uh, September 2019, um, students at a college in Atlanta, uh, the Moore, uh, Georgia, called, called Morehouse College, you know, they were greatly surprised at the opening speech 
for their end-of-year graduation. The billionaire, Robert F. Smith, he was given the opportunity to address the class of 2019. And during his speech, he committed, get this, he committed to make a donation to pay off the entire class of 2019 uh, student debt. All those that graduated on 2019 last year. So that came out to millions of dollars, and you know what? It covered about 400 students. The first thing I thought was, can you imagine what you would have felt if you were there and you were one of those students, right? <laughs> Funny, though, because I also thought, think about you know, the student that had to graduate a semester late. <laughs> the man would have missed out on his, day, on, on his bills, you know? Poor fella. Now, this man here is worth $5 billion, so he had the ability to do this. And I think this is a great gospel story illustration. We all have a debt we are unable to pay. And if the gospel doesn't make you get excited in the same way these students did at this college in Atlanta, then you don't understand the reality of the debt we owe because of sin. In order for someone else to pay off a debt, they have to be both willing and they have to be able. And so this guy, Robert F. Smith, fit that category. How do you respond when someone does something, you know, for you that goes beyond what you would ever deserve? What will you do with the abundant grace that God has shown to you? The question I asked, what you know, does grace look like and mean to your life this year for 2020? You know, when the students, back in the story, when they received news about their tuition being you know, paid, man, they, they celebrated like it already happened. They didn't even have to see their account uh, balance because they just trusted for what was spoken. God's grace is freely given as a gift due to the work of Jesus on the cross. But however, life, like any gift, we must receive that gift by faith. But here's the dilemma many of us face. In some ways, right, a lot of us continue to live in fear and we doubt the power of God's love and the guarantee of His abundant grace for our lives. Now, before I close, I'd like to pray for two types of people in this room today. And I feel that this is a fitting time for us to pray in, in this sermon. Sharing about the gospel story, sharing about our origin, where we came from how this all came about, our superhero, Jesus, that is able to redeem all of that sin in us. If you can confidently call yourself a follower of Jesus, who fights to obey his ways and, and not your ways, and you know there is more to your life to live for Jesus, I would like to pray a blessing over you today, just as you begin to venture out God's purpose and calling for 2020. 
Now, you may feel a little bored of this walk for Jesus, and you'll come to church today to, to see what to expect from God. I want you to take a bold step of faith, right, in the direction of trusting in God's word and promises once again. But, Saulu, I, I want something new and fresh in my Christian walk. Well, you know what? You will find it if you just press into his word. It's always there. Just to press into his word. You will gain momentum when you pick up that Bible up again and, and start devouring it in, in your spare time. And you go to new levels in your relationship with God this year. You know, don't just say that you will do it. Put some action behind your words and, and discipline yourself to take your walk to another level for this year. You know, man, like I said before, I enjoyed my holiday with my family. And it was so refreshing to have, you know, these past three Sundays off, literally having no church services. Yet, even during my break time, I still needed to discipline myself to stay in God's Word and to better myself with my relationship in Jesus. It would have been easy for me to just relax and, and not grow in, God's, in God during my break. I've done that before in the past in my life as a Christian, as a growing Christian. But there were so many, you know, distractions to stop me from, from staying in God's presence. But I just couldn't. I love God too much to drift and not grow. I had to fight to stay on top of my game. And if you are feeling you need a, you need a bit of a boost, well, you know, let me fi fire you up again by telling you to take a bold step of faith and trust in God's word and promises once again. If you need to find your purpose in life, then you will only find it in Jesus. I have to share this for our first Sunday. You may be sitting here today. I can't assume that everyone loves God in this room. You may be coming to church here for 5, 10, 20 years and still not love God. And still not obey. And still walk in disobedience. So you may be sitting here and, and you're contemplating about receiving this gift of grace in Jesus. And it's a big faith step for you to believe in, right? And I remember, the, even me, the, the many times I sat there as this young teenager in church in church gatherings and church events, Christian events, in a church similar to this one, and I would, you know, I would understand how much of a sinner I was. Yet, I would wrestle in my mind, and I've heard others say this as well, but I would wrestle in my mind, and I would say, man, I just don't feel like I've done enough. I don't feel like, I don't think I'm worthy enough to be in God's presence right now. And deep down inside, we have, all of us, we have this idea that there's a certain level, right, 
a certain level of righteousness we must have in order to be worthy of God's love and to be in His presence. Well, let me help clear those thoughts in your head right now, just as it was clear in my thoughts back then. Yes, you are correct. You are not worthy. <laughs> None of us in this room are worthy. And so I invite you to simply step out in faith and accept the free gift of God's grace. What is it? A grace that's generously given and freely given with no strings attached. And it's time to trust Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of your life for 2020. It's time to walk in His footsteps and follow His examples this year and for your future. And Jesus, He died for the forgiveness of our sins. And by knowing this, then it's time. It's time to live so that others might come to know Him through you. So that question, what does God's abundant grace look like and mean to your life this year for 2020. Let us pray.